with no further ado, let's jump into today's message. Today we're going to be um, really just studying and walking through the book of Philippians, and in particular, we're going to dig into chapter 4, and so um, maybe you can pull up your, your app, uh, you can uh, get your Bible out, whatever, and, and follow along with me, that would be great, but we're going to dig into this a little bit, and uh, Philippians 4 is really one of the more impactful and powerful chapters that we really see in the entirety of the New Testament. It's, it's just packed full of, of so much goodness. Um, Philippians 4 is, is where we get the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's maybe the most popular scripture in, in the entire Bible. This is where we find it. Um, we also see the scripture, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. There's just a lot of good, powerful stuff that we see in in this chapter. And just for some quick background so that we can really understand what we're going to be getting into today. Um, the book of Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul. Okay, so this is the guy that, that wrote this particular book. And, and really, this was a letter that he wrote to a church that was in the city of Philippi. Okay, so it's just a letter that he's writing to the church. This is one of the churches that he helped found, that he has been helping lead. And so he wants to send them something to provide some guidance and some insight and some wisdom. And, and when we get to the part of the letter that we're going to be digging into today, um, I would contend that, that Paul, uh, the, the heart of the message, the, the, the real core of what he's trying to communicate here comes down to, um, to the idea of focus, okay? The idea of focus. I think he's trying to get these people to, to, to really think about what have we been concentrating on? What has been captivating our, our attention? Where is our focus? Um, now, regardless of really any endeavor in, in our life, regardless of whatever we're trying to accomplish um, this idea of focus is really one of the most powerful tools that we have at our disposal. Uh, it really is so important if, if we're going to look to really accomplish anything. I would imagine all of you can relate with me on this, but you know there are those days where um, I, I'll get to work and, and I'll sit down at the computer and I'll, I'll start to, to, to work and like 10 minutes in, already I'm a little bit distracted. I can't like seem to center in on what I need to do. And so I'll go grab another cup of coffee. I'll come back and then like 30 minutes later, I'm distracted again. And it's one of those days where it's like the end of the day will never come. It's just dragging and dragging and dragging. And then there are other days I get here and I'll get on the computer and, and it's just like immediately I'm just knocking stuff out. I'm just knocking stuff, like give me more. I, I, I can do more, I can do more. And then all of a sudden it's time to go home. The day has gone by so quickly. And, and the determining factor here is focus. It, it all comes down to focus. So listen, focus is a discipline of the mind wherein we put our attention on what is needed for the purposes of growth. Okay, it's a discipline of the mind for the purposes of growth. So focus is required for growth. It's, it's required. And so maybe um, you're at the point in your life where you don't feel like you have uh, been experiencing much spiritual growth. Maybe you just feel like you're stalled out. You're just not getting anywhere. There's, there's no progress. I would ask you the question, well, what have you been focused on? Where has your attention been? 
In fact, we just listened to um, a leadership message this past week by John Maxwell. He's one of the great teachers on, on leadership in the entire world. He talked about this idea of focus. And one of the things that he mentioned is how what you focus on is what is going to expand in your life. Wherever you put your attention is, is where you're ultimately going to grow. So if you focus on your career, then that's going to take precedence and that's going to expand. That's going to grow. If you focus on your hobbies, that's going to expand and grow. If you focus on your family, that's going to expand and grow. It's, it's a simple concept, but it makes a lot of sense. Where we put our focus is where we're going to grow. Now, interestingly enough, this is also where we, we walk into a lot of problems in our life. Because some of us have some real issues with focusing on the wrong things. Like we have real issues with focusing on things that, that don't matter, that don't have any impact. And so we focus on them and they expand and they expand and they expand. And then we get to the end of it and we've accomplished a lot of empty things and we feel unsatisfied. We feel unsettled. We feel like we haven't made progress. We're focused on the wrong things. And then there are some of us that, that just can't focus on anything for any extended period of time, right? I'm looking at my brother. This is... <laughs> This is the problem for a lot of us. We, we get distracted so very easily. And so what happens is, is we're not zeroing in on anything. We get to the end and, and nothing has expanded because we just can't focus in. This is a, a real problem that we encounter. And here is the simple cure to this problem, okay? Step one, determine what is most important in your life. And step two, focus on it. Focus on it. Figure out what is the top priority in my life and then put your attention, put your effort, put your concentration on that so that it will expand, so that it will grow, okay? This is what we need to do. Now, let's go back to Philippians 4 because I think what Paul is trying to get to here is he's trying to show us how we can successfully focus when it comes to living a Christian life. Like, like when it comes to, to being a person of God, what should we focus on? Like what should captivate our attention? This is what he's going to show us. Before we get into this, can we just say a quick word of prayer? Um, uh, let's just walk into this as open-minded as we can and, and see what we might be able to learn. So please pray with me. Heavenly Father, once again, we're so grateful for this opportunity to come together and to be able to experience your presence and to draw closer to you. That is always our goal. It's always our desire. And we thank you for that opportunity today. And I ask that you would open up all of our hearts and minds to receive what you have for us today. I pray that you would help us to focus right here and right now so that we can maybe apply some really good things to our lives so that we can encounter you like never before and begin to reflect you like never before. Let your will be done. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and dig in. So Philippians 4, we're going to start in verse 4. And this is how the Apostle Paul starts. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. 
okay? So we're gonna stop right there with this very simple sentence. But he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. So immediately you see he's just repeated himself. And and oftentimes when this happens in scripture, this is really when we need to, to pay attention. We need to zero in. This is important. But also when Paul says, again, I will say rejoice, what he's saying is, I'm gonna say it in the future too. Like I'm just gonna keep reminding you, rejoice in him, rejoice in him. It's that important. But, but, but he really brings the hammer down when he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, initially you and I hear that and we're like, yeah, that's good. Rejoice in the Lord always. Like we should really have joy sprouting out at all times. That's, that's, that's good stuff. But I think we would all have to be really honest to say, many of us are, are lacking this in our lives. So many of us are lacking joy. We're, we're lacking gladness. We're lacking gratitude. Like it's just, it's missing in our lives. And so, yeah, it's really easy to hear this and to say this within this context when we're together trying to accomplish one objective. But what happens, you know, tomorrow when, when the kids start misbehaving and you feel like you're gonna lose your mind, right? What, what happens when tragedy hits your family and your world gets turned upside down? What about then? And, and Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, always. He has this perspective, I would say this focus that we really need to grasp here. This is, this is important. This is a lifestyle. This is a mindset that we must have. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, you know, it, just like it's easy for us to say that in this context, it's probably easy for Paul to say that. And, you know, he's, he's an apostle. You know, this guy is super confident. His ministry is, is spreading. So it's got to be easy for him to say that, which makes sense, except for the fact that when he writes this, he's literally under house arrest. When he writes this, he's, he's been arrested for simply trying to spread the gospel, trying to do some good in the world. And in the midst of of this situation in his life, he commands the church not once but twice to rejoice. He's got this this focus that is just not gonna be shaken. It's not gonna be messed with. It's, it's, It's really interesting how closely related the ideas of gratitude and focus really are. Because if you think about it, if you had a constant outlook of gratitude, now just comprehend what that would even look like for a second, but a constant outlook of gratitude, what would happen is is your focus would not only be set on God, but it would stay on God. Let let me explain it this way in a, a more practical sense. If you were truly grateful always, always grateful. I'm grateful that you were able to wake up every morning, grateful for every meal that you have, grateful for all your friends and family, grateful for constant protection, grateful for your house and your cars and your entertainment, just grateful all the time. If that was your stance, think about how often your focus would be brought back to God. Think about how often your focus would go to him. It would be constant. It would be endless. You couldn't help but set your focus on him. But then on top of that, if that gratitude were always present, and, and, and like Paul, you had this, this unshakable ability to find joy, even in the tough times, like even in the, the bad times, even in the unfair times, what would happen is nothing could rip your focus away from God. 
Like they can tie you up, they can arrest you, they can try to shut you up, but nothing is going to rip your focus away from God because come what may, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. There's this sustainable nature to this idea that we see from the Apostle Paul. And, and really, this, this idea is what he's driving at here because actually, a few verses later, he says, I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. Like, he's unbreakable. He's unshakable. Times are good. Times are bad. I have a lot. I have a little. It doesn't matter. My joy remains the same. My focus remains the same. I'm going to rejoice always. Now, can you even imagine what that might look like in your life? Can you imagine what that might look like when you wake up in the morning, when you go throughout your day, when you encounter struggles? This is a game changer if we would just grasp what he's talking about here. For so many of us, this is frankly all we need to hear today. Like we just have no joy, man. We're just down. We're, we're negative. We're pessimistic about everything in our lives. And he's saying, get your head up, rejoice. Find some, some joy. Be grateful for what God has given you. This is what we need to understand about focus, okay? Let's move into to verse 5 because he's going to continue to drill into this concept. This is what verse 5 says. He says, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Okay, so there are some things that are happening in the Greek language here that I want you to understand because it's really cool stuff. Primarily, the word gentle there, which is kind of the core word of this entire scripture, um, the Greek word that is being translated there is a very, very loaded word. Like there's, there's a lot that's going on in that word. If you were to look at all of the places it's put in the New Testament and bring back all of the different meanings and contexts, you would come away with a whole boatload of stuff. In fact, it's interesting, this one Greek word almost entirely encompasses all of the fruit of the Spirit that we see in Galatians 5. Like that's how loaded it is. That's how good this word is. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. But then he gives us the why. Why should we do this? Why should we be gentle? Because the Lord is near. Now, I, there's a distinction to be made here because what he's not saying is, is that God's presence is near or that he's in our vicinity. What he's saying is that Jesus is coming back. Okay, there, there will be a day that Christ returns. And so because of this, in anticipation of this, this is what I want you to focus on. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Now, Paul says almost the exact same thing in a different way in Romans chapter 12. Watch what he says. Maybe it'll hit you in a different way. He says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Live peaceably with all. Verse eight, uh, 19, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Live peaceably with all, so catch this, as Christians, it's not our job to avenge. We are not to be a vengeful people. That's not our job. Paul says here, God's gonna take care of the wrongdoing. God will take care of the offense. Like there's this, there's this upward vertical nature that must shape our focus where God's in control. He's gonna take care of it. So what's my job? What do I need to focus on? Live peaceably with all. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men, let the fruit of the Spirit be displayed in your life everywhere that you go. Now, now how many of us um, would characterize our lives in this way? 
How many of us have, have really been focused on this concept? Gentleness and peace rather than conflict and disagreement and ugliness. We have to be focused. We have to be focused on what Paul is saying here if we're really gonna grow in our spiritual lives, okay? Now let's go into verse six here because he's gonna continue to shape this whole concept for us. This is what verse six says. Watch, watch the, the language that Paul uses. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Okay? Now, the first thing that pops out, I love the Apostle Paul so much. I love reading his writings. And you'll notice just how strong his language is here. Be anxious for nothing. In, in everything. Like, he has no issues making definitive statements. Like, his faith is so strong. His confidence is so strong that, that he can say, rejoice always. Never be anxious but in everything, call upon God. There's a, a confidence there that, that we might need to think about. But here's what I, I really want to take away from verse 6. And so if you want to write this down or maybe make a mental note of this, I think this will help so many of us. I know it, it helps me. When you begin feeling anxious, when you begin to, to feel those emotions and, and you know that these things are, are coming on, go vertical. In, in other words, don't focus on the problem but focus on the answer. Remember John Maxwell's principle we talked about earlier, what you focus on expands. And so if you focus on the problem, then in comes anxiety, in comes stress, in comes worry. When you focus on the answer, all of a sudden those problems begin to shrink. All of a sudden those things begin to fall away because your focus is on the answer. When you begin to feel anxious, go vertical, okay? Something you might wanna apply to your life. But here's another aspect of this verse that I want to call out because I think it's, it's really interesting. Um, when we really look at the, the core of the word focus and we really think about how it comes about, what's interesting is, is focus is often driven by our belief. Okay, I would argue that belief is, is ultimately the, the driving force of our focus. So, so think about it this way. When you believe that something's going to lead you to success, then your focus is going to be there. When you believe that something is going to lead you to wealth, your focus is probably going to go there. When you believe something's going to lead you to truth and revelation, your focus is probably going to be there. That, that belief is the driving force. Now, what's interesting is, is what Paul is saying here is if you truly believe that God can provide for you, if, if you truly believe that, as he says a few verses later, God will supply all of your needs, then catch this, your focus will follow that. Your focus is going to follow your belief. We actually talk about this in one of our bridge builder classes on prayer. We talk about how if, if your prayer life isn't very strong, it's probably because you don't truly believe that it's going to do anything. You don't truly believe that he's going to come through, that he's going to provide. And so, so why would I pray? Your focus follows your belief. Now, on the flip side, if you believe that he's going to hear you, if you believe that he loves you, if you believe that he can take care of you, you're going to take everything to him. You're going to cast all of your cares on him because your focus is following your belief, okay? 
Now, now catch this, watch, watch the end result. If you do this, if, it, if you really focus on this, watch the end result of this in verse seven. Paul says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. If your focus is, is, is right, if it's in the right place, the peace of God is gonna guard your hearts and your minds. Now, at the beginning, remember, we talked about how focus is a discipline of the mind. And so what Paul is saying here is if you're focused on the right things, the peace of God will guard your mind. It's going to insulate it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to protect it. It's going to guard it. Like, I, that's what I want. I, I want his peace to guard my mind so that I can stay focused on the right things. I need it. I, I need that. That's what Paul is trying to show us. But did you also catch how he immediately contrasts the idea of anxiety with the idea of peace? Like verse six, he says anxiety. Verse seven, he says peace. And and, and what is in the middle of that? Let your requests be made known to God. In other words, focus on his power. Focus on his love. Focus on his provisions. And it will take you from anxiety to peace. That must be our focus. Now at this point, in this letter that he's writing, he's gonna get into verse eight and verse nine, but, but he's really gonna start summarizing many of the things that we've talked about here. He's gonna just kind of wrap these things up in a really practical, really straightforward way. And so in, in verse eight, he's gonna start with the what. Again, what do I need to be focused on? Where does my attention need to go? Watch what he says in verse eight. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, watch what he says, think on these things. Focus on these things. The the way that I kind of pictured this verse, I almost pictured as kind of like having this mental strainer where, where you're able to intentionally and constantly strain out the bad and allow in what is good. So is it true? Is it honorable? Is it right? Okay, I'm going to think on those things. I'm going to focus on those things. But if it's not, if it's not true, if it's not good, if it's not honorable, I'm not going to think on those things. Another translation says dwell. I'm not going to dwell on those things. Again, it's a discipline of the mind. It's it's a, a discipline. And Paul is giving us the answers. What do I need to focus on? What is good? What is right? What is honorable? This is what we need to focus on. But then he gets to verse nine, and and this is where I wanna just slow things down for a second because this is really when he's gonna bring home the real objective of this entire thing. This is really when he's gonna get us to to the why, to the real meat of of what we're talking about. So he's kind of walked us through some practical steps, right? Be, Be grateful, you know, focus on your attitude, focus on prayer and making sure that you trust God is in control. Focus on these things. But he gets to verse nine, he's just gonna hit us with the real heart and objective of what we're talking about. He says this, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, all of these things that we're talking about, all these things that I'm teaching you, practice these things. Why? Because the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. So so now he's shifted from God's peace being with you to God himself being with you. 
he goes through all of these practical steps. Hey, this, I think this will help you in your life. I think you can focus on this. I think you can do all these things. But he gets to the end here and he says, but this is really what I want to talk to you about. I want you to realize that God will be with you. This is the objective that we might find him, that we might experience him, that we might live a life of relationship with him. This, this is the objective. And when we do this, everything else is going to take care of itself. If we, if we can really just focus on him, focus on our relationship with him, everything else is going to take care of itself. Now, I want to show you the best example of this that I can find in Scripture. I want to show you what this really looks like in, in a practical way because I think it's really, really eye-opening, okay? So I want to set this up for you real quick. We're going to go to Luke chapter 10, but before we go there, what's happening in this part of Scripture is Jesus and his disciples have been traveling around the region. They've been teaching. We know that Jesus is healing and he's doing all these amazing things. We're just seeing things that have never been done before. And, and at this point in scripture, he travels to the city of Jerusalem and he comes to a particular village within the city. And he's gonna spend some time with some people who are there. He's gonna go have some dinner and just enjoy you know, company with, with his friends. I want you to watch the difference in true focus that we see in this example. Luke chapter 10, let's start in verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary, catch this, sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And so she came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Would you tell her to come and to help me? Watch what Jesus says. He says, Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. You're distracted. You're worried about all of these outside things. Watch what he says. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And catch this, it will not be taken away from her. Mary has discovered what real focus looks like. She's sitting at the Lord's feet. She's just spending time with him. She's just listening to him. That's what focus looks like. Let me try to make this practical for you. The other night we were um, at my brother's house and we were talking about things and um, having some good deep conversation and uh, I, you know, how fulfilling that is when you're getting into good stuff. And, and uh, in the midst of this, my wife had got up and she started doing the dishes and, you know, started cleaning off the counter. That's her. She's a worker bee. It's just constant. And, um, and so she's going to town. And, and finally, at one point, my brother was like, hey, Jenna, come, you know, come in and, and let's talk. Let's spend time. She didn't listen, which is also her. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> No, she, she, uh, she kept working away. She kept working away. And, and finally I said, hey, babe, come on. Let's, we're, you know, we're hanging out. We're spending time together. Come on. And, and five, six times later, finally, once everything was done, she came and, and she spent some time with us. I started to think, because it makes me frustrated sometimes. And, you know, I, I started to think, is that how Jesus looks at us a lot? Even in ministry, is that how he looks at us? Like, hey, 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 what are you doing? Like, like I, I'm, I'm here right now. Like, would you just sit at my feet? Can we just 
Can we just talk? Can we just spend some time together? You're worried about all of these other things. You're freaking out about whether this is in place and if that's in place. And, but I'm here. Why don't you just sit with me? Like, like leading worship. Where we're thinking about, is the quality of music good? Are, are we you know, in the right spot here? You know, is everybody enjoying this? And, and God's going, no, no, I'm here. Just sit at my feet. Let's spend some time. This is the key to focus. How many of our lives look that way? We're so, we're so busy. We're so distracted. We can't focus on anything. And Jesus is going, but I'm, I'm here right now. Just spend some time with me. This this needs to shape every day of our lives. That we might just spend some time with him. Just have a real relationship with him. Just enjoy his presence. That's what he's looking for. And guess what? All this other stuff will take care of itself. Like, thank you, thank you, Paul, for all the practical advice, but but this is just what we need to focus on right now. Worship team can head on up. This hit me so hard through my studies this week because I'm an anxious person. I don't show it on the outside a lot, but on the inside, I'm I'm freaking out about every little, this morning as church service was going on, oh, is this in place? Is that in place? Like, oh, just constantly. And then they started to sing, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. And that's when everything just kind of like comes together. That's when perspective comes into the picture. And so here's here's what I want to do before we leave today. I want us to just spend some time with him. I just want us to sit at his feet, and and we don't have to say a thing. We don't even have to do anything, but just sit in his presence and acknowledge him and and just be able to feel his presence. So here's what I would like you to do. If if you can just close your eyes right now, and I know we ask you guys to do this a lot, but, but really it's actually for the purpose of focus so that we can really focus in on him, forget about all the distractions, break through the awkwardness and the tension and just really focus on him. And I just, I I want you just for the next five minutes to just spend time with him. Just intentionally sit at his feet and enjoy him and think about him and listen to him. I just wanna take that time We got the rest of the day to do whatever we want to do and a lot of things to look forward to. But right now, there's nothing more important than just sitting at his feet. Can you focus on him? distractions? Are you worried about making sure that everything's in place, everything's right? 
you just get to sit with him. Just one. 